Hello, everyone. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can find Author Magazine at authormagazine.org, and we are funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, Supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955, you can learn more about the PNWA at pnwa.org. And oh, we've got an interesting one for you this week. Yes, we do. We got Mr. Leopoldo Gout. He's a Mexican immigrant, award-winning producer and filmmaker, visual artist and author who has written, packaged, published, and developed books for more than a decade, both under his own name and with several major publishers and with other writers under his own imprint at Simon & Schuster, Leopoldo & Company. He was co-president of the James Patterson Entertainment Company for many years, and he is currently producing award-winning author Marlon James' original debut for television, and he is an interesting guy. We had a wide-ranging conversation, and his mind just goes in so many interesting places, and I was happy to go there with him, and I'm happy to share it with you today. Enjoy. Oh, yeah. Look at this. We're ready to go. We got Leopoldo Gout here on the show. Leopoldo, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. It's a sunny day in New York, even though I'm in my bunker. You're in your bunker. Is that your art bunker? Yeah, it's a big art studio bunker that I reside, and I'm hiding from, you know, the horrible orange light that is visiting that's, New York City oh, jail. that's right. Today? I won't na- no names. No names. I don't no even names. know his name. No names. Something is happening. I only put hex on him. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, something is happening in New York City today. Uh, Yeah. Rather unusual. We won't talk about it. We won't won't honor that fellow. No. So, all right. So, it's good that you're sitting there in in, in your art studio, um, surrounded by paintings. Pinata, which, okay, unless I understand, this is, Pinata is your debut novel. Is that, am I correct? Nope. Nope. All right. I've written many novels. Okay. Uh, let's, but let's, all right. So let's, let's back up because you have had an interesting journey to this day. Of course, everyone's journey is interesting, but you have an interesting artistic journey, let us say, uh, that yes. began, if I'm correct, with the visual arts, with painting in terms of your, your study. Is that correct? Yes and no, because I, you know, my mom, was a hero of mine passed away unfortunately a few years ago but she left us a lot of little like gifts and secrets and messages because she knew Uh, my mom was a witch okay she knew that there was she knew she was going to the other side so she left us all these little surprises and things that we we've been discovering ever since and one of the packages she left me was full of my great school report cards back then i'm very old i'm a thousand two hundred years old uh-huh, yeah and she left me all these uh report cards and back then when i was a, a young man there was uh they, they wrote them by hand yeah so i had about 10 report cards i still have them they're somewhere in my in my website and so people people can see them and it's really funny because it they are one hundred percent, a little window into who I am 
now. So the teachers were complaining to my mom very eloquently that I had something in my head, but unfortunately, to quote a teacher, I might never make it because all I care is about my little doodles and my little stories that I constantly write and paint. And when I got that package and I opened it, I saw this consistent message from teachers over about 10 different report cards. I looked around and I still was doing my little doodles and my little stories. I still doing the same actual thing you that just, they've complained about. Wow. So wow. I've been I've been doing it all my life without a stop uh, since I have memory of being a kid. So and wow. this actually it's probably my fifth novel, but I also have published novels of other writers. So right. I I you know the creative endeavors to me are kind of a big uh, pot of clay. So so I do a lot of different things, but just to get it out of the way for your wonderful listeners is like I don't believe that I that I that it's that different when I'm making a movie or I'm making a book. I mean they're different, you know, obviously they're different mediums of expression, but the engine and the the kind of like the core stories of where I start, it's very connected to. I yeah. always do little doodles and and, and and then I go into these wormholes of research and 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 curiosity that take me to other ideas or other things that I use my memory, my instinct, my my dreams, my scent of smell, and I start to make form of them. And some of them end up in the format of a book like Piñata, and other ones end up in the form of a movie or a TV show or right. or other things that I've done. But they're all very connected. Sure. In my head, they're pretty much from the same uh, kind of, you know, they have the same DNA and yeah. very similar processes of 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 delivery of, yeah. of execution. Then, as as they get refined as a book or as a movie, then there's a lot of different you know routes that you take and the actual object or thing the mechanics of it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I just last night I had this image of the thing within me that I used to create as like liquid gold. And I thought it's it has the value of my own creativity, my own curiosity, my own desires, but it's formless, but it's valuable and it looks for the form. But the core gold is it's like air, like water. It's just looking for the shape it wants to be. Does that does that resonate with what you were just talking about? Probably yes, except that base metals are too heavy for my alchemical um, okay. proficiency. So, okay. and I think, and, and to me, gold is pretty ugly. It's too oh, gaudy, unless the unless it's in a mask of an Aztec or Egyptians. But I see. I find gold pretty ugly. I like platinum. I like other okay. metals. I oh. love silver. Yeah, I love the color of silver because it reminds me of the moon. But gold, I find it extremely uh, gaudy and everything that it represents. And most people that are awful paint their houses in gold. And and the and I I will I think that the more gold you have in a house, the the worse you are. In, um, oh, so, interesting. So, so you yeah. walk into someone's house and there's gold leaf and gold this. You just turn around and walk out again. I, I would be very suspicious of the person's soul, and I think that they're trying to block the, the rot. 
you know, but yeah, you know, yeah, interesting. Okay, so oh, you so you're very tuned to color, obviously, very tuned. Well, all your senses sounds like, and but and so one medium won't do it for you. One won't do it. Painting's not enough. Movies aren't enough. Books aren't enough. Medium. I don't know. What about music? I don't do you know. do music? Music? I've done a, a dabbles and in all my movies, you, 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 yeah. but I don't know if, um, I, I don't, I don't believe that when you use the word, it, it's not enough. I don't, I, 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 I humbly disagree because okay. my process have always been a, a reaction to my circumstance. Okay. What I mean by that is that I've never said, okay, I'm going to, my first novel, for example, I never th thought I'm going to write a novel. I, I actually started doing these drawings in response of a tragedy that happened to me. I was in New York with my son, my daughter. I mean, my, my son, my wife. I have two kids that right now. Back then, it was just my son. He was six months old. My, my wife was there, my dog, Ramona, who passed away. And we had a very dodgy beautiful apartment in 34th and park on and my landlady at the time was super dodgy and it was a semi-rent control so it's very cheap right. and my apartment was on the top floor of a small building and it was um it served both as my my home and then there was a very long place so i had space for a studio and i had a little terrace it's really special place nice, nice. very little not very little money in, in manhattan and um and it burnt down and wow. under wow. mysterious circumstances right. and um right. so i lost everything i lost my art collection how old were you I how old were you my, like in your 30s yeah in my okay. 30s and and yeah. I, I i lost wow. pretty much everything and um of possessions fortunately yeah. no no one was hurt but it was i got really um kind of this you know, disembubbled and and uh, kind of like unspooled, and 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 later on, I realized I had PTSD about uh -huh. uh, losing everything. Losing my, I had an art show. I was painting this huge series, and my work takes a lot of time. Like for example, the painting is behind me; it's all ballpoint pen. So some of my work is extremely uh, detailed. You can see it in my Instagram, which is Leopoldo Leopoldo. I'm sure you'll put some links into the absolutely the post, but, yeah. but I, I i lost my 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 work and and i couldn't i didn't have a studio i didn't have a house and i was very distracted and depressed and in shock and we're living in in apartments of friends and it's kind of a very chaotic time in my life and i started to go late at night because we had a baby so i would sneak out and escape you know um to kinkos Mm -hmm. for a couple of hours because back then Kinko's was the Kinko's became Kinko's FedEx but it was like yeah. full of photocopy machines and all the artists like mid midnight artists would be there taking photocopies for, for graffiti art and stuff like wow. I saw Shepard Fernley once like doing wow. copies at 2 in the morning wow. and I, I, I started to do some drawing there because I started to kind of process this horrific feeling that I had and I was questioning why that why am I in America what did I left behind and the origin of that first novel was that horror feeling that you left what did you left from Mexico what do you bring 
is called Ghost Radio, my first novel, and um, and eventually the. But it was supposed to be a graphic. I, I started to do drawings, and sure. I didn't know if it was going to do a comic book or some art show with drawings and text that I was doing at the time. And I thought maybe I'll do an art show and put the the drawings on the walls, and then the text will be kind of like a story. Right. And and uh, and one day, friend of a friend who's an editor and a very prestigious publisher called Willem Morrow came to me and saw it and they were, you know, this, this is great material. If you write just the book, you can put some drawings in the, in the book if you want, but if it's more like a novel. Yeah. This is a novel. You should do a novel and I can pay you more money. It was like, I really needed the money. I had a baby. I had <laughs> my work was disrupted. I was totally confused. And yeah, so I was, I was just like, yeah, let's do it. And I started to, wow. to, and so- to, 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 to process that art piece into a novel. And, the, and that book now is getting a kind of renaissance because we, when it got published by Morrow, it was my first novel. It was very painful to turn a drawing into a novel. But when we finished it, we, the publisher were very excited about it, got really good reviews. And then they... Um, in the novel, they they claimed um, they wanted to do an audiobook back then, so they right. did it. Sure, they didn't allow, they didn't allow me to go into the near the audiobook um, when they were recording it, and they hired this young actor. That turned out that that actor is now the famous Pedro Pascal from uh, the The Last of Us, and he's the only what? book of the what the only book he's done of that genre which is oh my god show. how cool he's done a couple of kids books but he's never done a serious right it's the same tone as um as uh the last of us right supernatural elevated thriller yeah. so so i was surprised that moro didn't like milk that because they were yeah. but the fans have discovered the fans of pedro so oh. it's been all over so piñata is kind of like uh what i love about piñata is it's a little there's a little in fact, my first novel is loose. There's an element of my first novel that is mentioned in, in Piñata. Nice, good. 15 years later, like a character. Yeah. Or, I won't say because people will discover. It's you got to like, read it. I have my meta universe that I yeah. I put little characters in one book into another book. Right. I do little things that they talk to each other. Now, do you... I don't... Art isn't therapy, but... Do you find the translation of emotional experiences into a work of art to be therapeutic for you? In other words, is it how it, I know it is for me. I don't do it for that reason, but I feel that I understand my own suffering or confusion often through what I'm doing, that that helps me make sense of it in a way, put it in its place. Do you find that's the case for you or are they totally separate? Your emotional stability and your art are not connected in that way. I think art is always therapeutic for sure, a hundred percent. And right. you know, the the as an actor, you always have those panic. As a as an actor, as a as a as an artist, you have this panic acting like uh, fear. Like you know, you have like the same fears that I said as an actor because I have friends who are actors who have the same panic when they they feel imposters, like writers right. and actors and right. Right. painters and filmmakers and there's a sense of like panic and and our artists in a way it's very immediate to me it's the first thing that it's it's the cleanest 
process that happens in my head. Writing is more painful and slower, and um, and I'm almost like like separated as a third person. Like I I I think in images and in scents and in memories yeah. much more than color. I mean, yeah. color is important to me, but it's not as powerful in my experience of life as sense. Sense. So I love color, but in color, you know, obviously it's very, you know, the the very vivid in my dreams and in my imagination and in my experience of everyday life. But it, but but sense the the power of sense and memories are 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 more connected to what I do. And for example, I always say that I, I think that my art is in a space that is, you know, when you have a vivid dream and you wake up and it, in those 20 seconds that you still remember it, but it's vanishing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. Right. 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 Yeah. Sometimes you, you're too, too slow in writing it. By the time you found the paper and the pen yep. or the tape recorder or whatever, it's gone. Poof. Yep into some weird place in your mind. I love that my, I want my art to live in that world. Nice. That it's, it's almost like a cloud that is about to vanish, but it's still a little bit captured, but it's not, you know, I'm not a photorealist. Right. A, right. So I think that my process and my ideas and my imagery that appears in my art, from abstractions to to react to 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 things like echo on that, and, and, and the same with my books and my and my stories. I layer a lot of ideas that I have, and then I let it flow in its own medium. So in a book, sometimes I have a once I decide, oh shit, this is a book, then right. I then I kind of like give myself into the form of it. So that also is a like when you're making a painting, there's mistakes and there's kind of like right. things that you go, Oh wow, this is a mistake. So I'm going to use it to, right. to transform it into something else. Same way in a book, in a book, you, you write some stuff, you create an idea and then it, and then you, you, you kind of follow its instincts of what it is that you're doing. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah. And, it and, and the mistakes in the book all usually are the, you know, the more fun, little roads now when you say some mistake do you mean now maybe you mean you're a pretty exacting fellow but do you mean surprise or do you mean error because it sounds like both, both. both. okay the things like you didn't I, expect or the yeah my, my work is jazz i right. I, really I got work it in the, in the jazz field and i love i'm very influenced by what miles davis said uh, like people would say hey you're in a concert and somebody made a mistake and you, you took that mistake and did, you know, and say, there's no mistakes. It's, it's a note. I just riff I... with whatever note you throw him. You like whatever note life throws to me, you riff on. And I love that Miles Davis quote because it's in a interview that he did in TV some time ago. And I really felt, um, hindered to not comparable to his genius. I mean, he, you're talking about one of my favorite people in the world I'm not comparing myself to him. I'm just saying, like, I I can understand that, oh, no. like, jazzy response from one element to to the next. I think it's a fantastically healthy um, and holistic view of the artistic process. I was just talking to my 
my music teacher and we were composing some music and he's like, you know, sometimes mistakes happen in songs. Like there's a mistake, quote unquote, that McCartney does on the piano and let it be. And, but my teacher had come to love that mistake, that note that wasn't part of the chord in that moment. And I think that what you're talking about is so helpful because a lot of the listeners are writers and a lot of them struggle with perfection, the concept of wanting to get it perfect, of trying to get it perfect. And they suffer because they never do. Does that make sense? I mean, they they, yeah. live, they they seek something that I think doesn't exist in the way they think it does. And it seems like your approach makes peace with the fluidity of creativity and really life, if, that, if that's fair. That I, I try. I try. It's, it's all about energy. It's like a mathematical issue of energy versus you know creativity versus circumstance equals the process yeah Ah, i love it i love it now when i my brother is a actor and does television stuff and when we were boys i knew i wanted to write and he was like bill this writing thing it's like it's just words like all you get are words. How are you? Gonna, how are you going to be happy? Because he was thinking about his body and his voice. And when you're painting, you know, you physically get to hold a brush. You get to physically see that you can step back and see the whole work. You know, when I write music, I can bang on the piano and my guitar, and I can hear it. But with writing, it's there's nothing tactile happening. Do you? Are you okay? Well, you obviously are okay, but do, what do you do with that difference in terms of working with your senses? Because the senses aren't really involved in the actual writing, at least not for me. Yeah, no, I disagree. To me, okay. it's the opposite. And, and I, I would, I, I would um, argue with your brother that he's absolutely wrong. So first of all, my process is very physical because I, when I write a book, I, I go into these incredible journeys of, of research and that I don't know for, for sometimes for a year, I don't know if it's a painting or a movie or a TV show or a book right. or a video game or whatever else I want to create. And that process and that journey uh, gets me very physical. And, and then once, once it, it, it's, it's manifesting itself and it's saying, I'm a novel, like in right. the case of Piñata, um, I was very physical on using my memory and my sense of scent and my sense of 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 um, of, of mental um, layering of ideas and, and 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 stories that I've heard from childhood and and research that I did in the in the you know Nahuatl Central Mexico cultures and touching the sculptures and smelling them and going into pyramids and growing up right. looking in pyramids, right. uh, seeing that contrast of, of the ancient world hidden underneath our very soil in Mexico City, um, then walking through that, experiencing the people that live all over Mexico who are Nahuatl still speak the language. Right. And, you know, so... I, I've never seen a writer. I've never met a writer who doesn't have that tactility. Even Marcel Proust in his bed, he was in love with right, that, right. kind of like the idea of that woman. And you can feel the, you know, the days and nights in, in his bed and the tactile thing of a sheet and and right. how, you know, he went into his memories. Um, I think that 
writing is very physical. Uh, the metaphysicalness of writing becomes very physical because you are traveling in with your brain. And even though it's just, as he said, it's just words, but, you know, just words, just words created wars, just yes. words oh, absolutely. are hurtful, just words have are physical. And, and when you're making them, you know, I, I compare some of the, my favorite poets or writers, they're sculptors in time and in space using right. words as the clay or the stone or the, or the, or the power you know the power for the the force and there's things that you know like i love the there's a great documentary of um what's the name of the director that did um that great theater and film director that did um uh, oh my god i'm going to blank his name i'll, I'll remember in a second but there's a, a big documentary on this great director of America who was born in the Eastern Bloc and he's extraordinary. And he um, he says that he was a young wannabe comedian and writer, director who went to see the actual play with Marlon Brando of, of Street Name right. Desire. And, and I remember in the interview, he said like everybody in the theater, when you went to see it, you didn't know how what, how somebody wrote that play that he said like that play must have been written in fire and i remember <laughs> him saying that and i'm like yes that's what i feel when i when you when you read a book that really brings you to life and one yeah. of your seminal books I, you always feel like that book or that piece of art or that 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 play or that uh, movie was written with fire and that yeah. has never got out of my of, of my head so i would I would strongly disagree with your your brother. <laughs> if it's only words, then that means it's it's not a great writer. But right. but, uh, but it's not great writing. But I want to produce, you know, and that's why I love the horror genre. And going back into piñata, I like that. Yeah. It's an incredible genre that is very generous and it's very open for you to like express things that in other you know literary forms you can't because it's simply not. It's harder to go there. Um, but talk to me about that. Even, Why is that? What What is it? So to get more specific, what is it? Because Pinata is a interesting blend of it's a horror book, but it's it's got its own unusual approach to it. It's very very yeah. interesting book. Well, just because I feel like horror, there's still a lot to say in horror. I think there's a it's a great space. It's a great heightened genre that that. I consider horror some passages of the Bible, you know, like there's, right. horror, there's horror everywhere. There's horror in the most beautiful things in the painting behind you. There's there to me, it's more of a, of a frequency of right. that. There are things that bump in the night. Uh, there are monsters underneath your bed that could pull your covers. And when you're Mexican and you grow up with that imagery, with a, Aztec gods clashing to the modern gods, clashing with the future gods of marketing and society, clashing right. with everything. I feel like it's a great, um, it's a great opportunity to 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 fall into the tradition of that world. You know, look at the the gothics in in England, which is some of my favorite, Shelley, Frankenstein. Yeah. You know. Uh, 
Stoker and all of the, you know, all of the Gothic writers of the Victorian age. It's amazing. And I feel like there's so much more that we can say with a, with a thing. And, and especially in horror, because I was very influenced by, you know, I remember when I was probably 13 years old or something, they played in the, in a Mexican art house cinema called La Cineteca. They played, a Night of the Living Dead, the original yes. what did you think? in black and white. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it blew my mind because yeah. it was I was there in a in a in a in a in a cinema with a, a a teacher that we had that was giving us like culture. His uh, it was Ciencias Sociales in Mexico, which is so, social sciences for high school kids. But it was she she had a, a film club, and it'll give you extra credit, and and we would watch a movie. So, you know, every, every cool kid wanted to be in the class right. because it was like, it'll give you, you would go out with her, watch a movie and then talk about it over coffee and maybe write a paper on it. And it was amazing for a high school in Mexico. And she would have a big discount on going to the Cineteca and like it was almost free. It was amazing um, experience. And, and that movie was incredible because it was like, she wouldn't tell us what it was. She, she really wanted to, us to connect with it and you know most kids were talking about like the the horror aspects of it and i right. i really understood that it was like the fear of white people with black men and vice versa and i, right. I really it's the first film that i feel like i because in mexico there is a lot of racism towards indigenous people but i i was lucky that my mother was cured us of all of that stuff she was a very open person and we had friends right. from every side of society and I, I I was blessed by her education to to us and and the freedom that 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 being not being racist gave us. Yeah. So so to me that movie was like holy shit, America is crazy. And and I love that they used the horror for for such a political thing because growing up middle class in Mexico, we're all political, right? Lefty, animals. right? Yeah. So so then so then you know evolving that to to a, a, a you know made me want to read books of that genre. And I discovered in one of the holidays an American left that cemetery in one of the Puerto Vallarta vacations. And I right. I got this like book and I couldn't put it down. And then, right. like, you know, and then I remembered, you know, when you read that in Mexico, you do read the Iliad and the Ramayana and all the myths. And yeah. there are all sorts of monsters there. So there's a lot of connections do that you think in my mind. Do you think like I remember when when I remember my friends going to Brown University, which had semiotics, which would study sort of contemporary culture to, and sort of look at it through the prism of different political beliefs. And one of them they looked at was Night of the Living Dead. And I, I and they drew a lot of sort of Marxist conclusions about it, which who knows, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But but there is something about what we fear. I sometimes think what we fear says so much about us as as a people, but even as a person, the thing that, that terrifies you, that you want to run or run away from, that you can't accept, certainly that says as much about us sometimes as what we love, maybe. What do you think? I think it's a, that's a great question, but it's very layered to me because you, in Mexico, there's a lot of, uh, you grow up with the imagery of the, the other side. Right. Everybody has a ghost story that yeah. happened to them, that, you know. Yeah. I am not a superstitious guy, but I life proved me the opposite and I you know I'm a skeptic in some ways but I've still seen unexplainable things in my lifetime that I constantly challenge myself to but 
they are unexplainable things and you grow up in a very rich kind of world where every aunt you has has this connection with their ghosts and their right and their, their and the other side so with as a mexican is different the, the horror is in my opinion for me i relate to to um i i related more in terms of like the the little windows of 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 of, of um you know, of your fears, but also of your loves. And it's more interwoven with who you are, not so much of, oh, that's the thing that you hear, you hear the most. It's, it's, oh, maybe that's what is following you forever. You know, maybe that's who you are, uh, or maybe that's who you don't want to be, or, or maybe it's just a connection to something completely irrationally not you that is just has this fort. So yeah. I don't know. It's more, it's, it, it's case by case. Yeah. And in the, in, in terms of my approach to the genre, like what I loved is that kind of challenging of what you expect that to be. For example, right. you know, one of my biggest influences was the last scene, the book, all, all, also The Shining, but the last scene in the movie version, which doesn't appear in the book, I loved it because it was just a dolly into the photograph of the hotel where Jack Nicholson appears in a party in the 20s. So you, you, it was. I remember seeing as a kid that movie and feeling that scene was like, wait a second, the whole story was manifested by a nightmare that the hotel had. It's the first time that a, that a space and my daddy was an retired architect so even though i did i never lived with him i lived with my mom but i i was influenced by some architects and i felt like oh my god this this structure had a, a bad dream right that the, the, everything that you just saw what's that dream maybe maybe yeah. it didn't happen maybe it was just manifested by him or it or her whatever whatever it is right um and i and i and i love uh i love that i love that question that and in, in, in horror it's a great place to to, to, to leave those questions so I, yeah. I was very inspired in that uh, that it's not trying to find an answer or oh horror is about the things that you fear and therefore no it's it's a question you're asking that is impossible to answer and to me that's the greatest advantage of being an artist that you, you raise questions yeah. and you want an audience the viewers the readers, the you know, your listeners, to connect with that question you're asking, and 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 find out their own answers or debates through that question. Yeah, I do feel that art. I mean, art in general, whether it's visual art or writing, or is for me has always been driven by what I am most curious about, which is called a question. But the thing that. I want to learn more about that. I'm asking myself that the more interested I am in the question, the more, the quicker come the, come the answers, the quicker come the, the quicker I move towards that question. Does that make sense? And and what is interesting to me might not be, might the question that's interesting to me might not be interesting to somebody else, but there is something electric about my own curiosity, my, my unique curiosity. Does that resonate? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. The book is Pinata. Scary people, but it's fun. 
It's it's fun. It's scary. It's interesting. It's unique. Go get it. Go get it. You'll be better for it. So it, available where all fine books are sold, obviously. But uh, so go get it. Are you going to go talk to people besides me? Are you going to actually get out in the world and do a kind of book tory thing, or is it just going to be virtual stuff? No, we've we've been doing that. And okay, I good. had a couple of events. I I I haven't done as much as I would like to. So I'm open. I might do a few more events. Okay. All right. Um, so I'm open, open. And, uh, you know, I have two or three more live events, but if I find a few more, I will do them. It's just that, um, in today's world, it's just, you know, it's, it's hard to, 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 to organize all of the different yeah. potential People. stuff, but I love to talk about it. And I, I just think that Iñata, listen, it's a, it's my love letter to the female power that I grew up with in my family. Yeah. It's my, uh, I feel that it's a very open-ended universal story that is, but it's also like very, um, it flexes from that personal, there's a lot of things of me and my family, but there's also a very universal deep fears and loves about, you know, being in a different culture. And we are all, products of immigration and some part of another even for the people that are born for generations here they came from from somewhere of course and there there is an energy that i find very interesting about that and um and that and and i've always liked to say that in the book there's two trains on the one hand there's uh the fact that the piñatas the actual piñatas that we all love in high schools and in kindergarten is yeah. you keep this little uh, pot and it breaks and candy comes and it's very cute and i discovered that there was a very sinister use of those during the conquest by missionaries who would force young children yeah. to break their own gods and then eat yeah. their insides of the gods which is very catholic by the way right they eat the flesh of god and the, right, and right. the blood of god so it's a it was a way to eat their to force children to eat their gods and I, I found that super scary. And it's like, oh my God, I, I, I need to write about this because it's like, I felt like it was like such a powerful, weird thing that, that happened in my country. And then, and then I, you know, and I took it into, into all sorts of routes from there. Yep. But that was the first uh, kind of train and spine of the book. And then I, you know, obviously, I believe that in this country, there's been a lot of attack on female rights and I have a daughter right. and I remember her screaming at a TV on some dumb thing a politician said. So I started to investigate and and, and influence the characters of my book on that rage that I saw in my uh in my in my daughter. So a little bit of the book is that historical perspective, but then also the modern rage of a young girl that is becoming a teenager. So I think it'll resonate to a lot of people. I hope you guys like it. I hope you get it. And by the way, if um, if you want, what we could do is do a little bit of a contest with your audience. Oh, interesting. Audio- okay. I have a, a few audiobooks for Spotify. You just have to, you know, announce it on Spotify and we'll give away a Spotify book okay. to your audience. You just have to create some sort of, like, contest. A contest of who? And, okay. And I, and I will, whoever you decide is the winner... I will give them a, a link to an audiobook. Awesome. All right, people. This has just been announced to me, so I don't understand how I'll do it yet. But I me like neither. it. 
Okay, we'll work on it. Okay, listen, oh, you're an interesting man. You've written an interesting book. You've got a lot of work to do, but I got one last question for you and God help me, I'll see if you can answer this. I think you have so much to say on the subject. I'll see how you can do. So here's what I'm going to do. I want you to finish this sentence. If writing, in this case, we'll try to limit it to writing, but maybe it's all of the work you do, has taught you anything just about life. It's taught you what? Um, it's taught me to maintain a light of thought. It's, it's oh. forcing me to maintain a light of thought without going into a trillion different ways. It's the discipline to try to complete the line of, of thinking. Because as a painter, in, in other mediums, I have more, more space for abstraction and right. writing is forcing me more to, to go in one direction. And also, I love the freedom that Shakespeare gave us that he invented 3,000 words. Yeah. So I have invented some words that I put sometimes in my books on purpose. And I hope that some people eventually will grab them. <laughs> you are the first I've talked to who has admitted he does that. Good for you. Good for you. Oh, Leopoldo, you invent many things. Books, paintings, and now words. It has been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be with you. I hope your audience likes this and a big hug. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, there you go. When I Right before we started our conversation, I told Leopoldo, it's going to be about 30 minutes. He said, oh, no, you will not be able to talk to me for 30 minutes. I am too much fun. And he was right. We couldn't talk for 30 minutes. We couldn't contain ourselves. Yes, maintain a line of thought. His thoughts, his lines of thought go and go. He was an interesting. That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I want to thank my producer, R.J. Jeffries. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. And uh, to all of you out there listening, thank you as well. And, you know, find a line of thought that is like a trail you've sniffed and want to follow. Those are the best lines of thought. There's something you love. So go find something you love to do and do it. <laughs> <laughs>